This morning, I'd like to talk to you about remembering the destination. And our destination is heaven. Amen. Somebody say that, heaven. heaven. And uh, I'd like to open our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And oftentimes, the only time we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is when we uh, are at a funeral. But I think 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is more important than just to be read at a funeral. And I'll show you why. And verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant does not mean stupid. It just means without knowledge. I don't want you to be without knowledge, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow or grieve as those who have no hope. Say, I have hope. hope. And so we're not to grieve with those or like those who have no hope. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. How many of you believe? Even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means uh, precede those who are asleep. Verse 16, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive, say, that's me. Those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. Verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. Somebody say that. Comfort one another. Encourage one another with these words. Uh, I think we're supposed to comfort and encourage one another with these words more than just at a funeral. I think we're supposed to encourage one another uh, on a regular basis. We're going home. Say it with me. We're going home. home. And there is encouragement and comfort in knowing that we're heaven bound. There is encouragement and there is comfort in knowing that we are heaven bound. How many of you are heaven bound this morning? I'm heaven bound. You know what? We'll high five in the air on the way up. It's going to be great. But we're heaven bound. And I, I believe that it is sooner rather than later. We've been saying that for 2,000 years. Um, and after a while, you begin to think, well, Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be another. But uh, how many of you just feel it in your spirit? We're going home. And in difficult times, we need to remember our destination, not our current situation. In our difficult times, and uh, can I, can, I uh, can we all do something this morning? Can we take the next 30, 45 minutes not to think about COVID? Can we clear our mind for a second? 
and just think about Jesus, think about heaven, think about his church and, uh, and all of the wonder and his salvation, and all the wonderful things he's done and is going to do in our lives and not think about uh, all of the things going on in the news and the missing persons. And we pray for a, a safe uh, re, uh, finding of that young woman. Um, all the things that are going well. Let's just take a moment in this cold sanctuary this morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> we got to praise the Lord over there from, from Mr. Cool himself. <laughs> and I, I'm wearing a coat, but man, I can feel it. Um, <laughs> but in difficult times, we need to remember our destination, not our situation. And when we're going through COVID and people around us are sick, or uh, when we're, we're thinking about what's going to happen next, uh, what, what's the next tragedy it's going to hit? Because you know what? As the world gets darker, we get brighter. I was listening to a, to a man of God, and uh, he said, I believe there's a revival, two great revivals going on at the same time. And that caught my interest. He said, I believe there's a revival in the church of God. I believe we're in the beginning stages of it. I believe we're in the midst of it. And there's a great revival in the church. And people are going to be saved and miracle signs and wonders. And there's a great revival. How many of you believe there's a great revival? But there's also a great revival of darkness. There is. And oftentimes we think, well, Jesus will come back when everything's safe. Uh, I don't think that's, that's exactly how it's going to play out. But we think before we go, before we get raptured, before the second coming and all these events take place, um, that things are going to get really, really good. And I believe things are going to get really, really good in the house of God. But I think things are going to get really, really bad in uh, the world and everyone who's not in the house of God. That's why it's very important that you are in the house of God, that you're connected to the house of God, the church of God. Your pastor, your brothers and sisters. Well, that was quiet. Your pastor, your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to be connected to them. You need to be believing with each other, encouraging one another that we're going home. Amen? We're going home. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Who's been born again? We have. Only a couple? Yes. Well, we're going to have a good altar call. This is going to be good. Uh, that have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. When we get to heaven, we are beyond the reach of change and decay in the name of Jesus. Verse 5, and through your faith, God is protecting you. There you go. When the world's getting darker, we're getting brighter. 
Why? Because there's a great divide of protection and favor surrounding those who believe in the name of Jesus. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all who see. Verse 6, Be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though we have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine and that it is being tested as fire tests the purity of gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love Him. Say it, I love Him. You love Him even though you have never seen Him. Though you do not see Him, now you trust in Him. And you rejoice with a glorious, unexpressible joy. I like, I like how, how uh, the older translations put it. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Say that with me. Joy unspeakable, joy unspeakable. and full of glory. Verse 9, the reward for trusting in Him will be the salvation of your souls. Another version puts it like this. Let me see if I can find that real quick. This is the uh, New King James. In verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Receiving the end of your faith. What is the end of my faith? I'm, I'm, I'm home. When I get home, that's it. I've reached my destination. It's all come to a close. I'm home. I'm with Jesus. And I'm not going by the grave. And if I do, praise God. But I'm not, I'm not prophesying an early uh, end to anybody's life. You know that, right? I'm, I'm saying we're probably going in the clouds. We're probably going to meet him. Now, it's coming like a thief in the night. And when everybody says he's coming on this day, he's not coming on that day. <laughs> How many of you know that? <laughs> Anytime somebody he's coming on this, he's not coming on that day. <laughs> That's a good way to know. If somebody says, well, you remember in 2012, they had, they had the Mayans on them. They were like, the Mayans agree with it. The Mayans haven't been around in a couple thousand years. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> In 2012, the earth is ending on December 21st, 2012. Why? Because there's no more Mayan calendar. Well, probably because they got tired of getting to, all right, 2011. Yeah, we're probably not going to be here that long. Um, But anytime somebody tries to tell you Jesus is coming on this day, he's not coming on that day. He's not. He's coming like a thief in the night. And you know what? Not even He knows the day. Only the Father has that. But I believe He's coming soon. And my job this morning from the Holy Spirit is to encourage you why you should be excited about that. Because I feel a lot of young people, and even a lot of not just young people, but people who enjoy their families and enjoy life, are saddened by the fact that they don't get to be with that family in their home and experience this life with them. But my job this morning is to encourage you and tell you why it won't matter. 
And when we get to heaven, it won't matter. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. What is in heaven? Can we talk about heaven for a minute? Let's turn to Revelation. Let's turn to Revelation. Chapter 21. I believe a lot of people and most Christians love the salvation message. How many of you love salvation? How many of you love that you're saved? Amen. How many of you love all the things that come with salvation? The healing, the miracles, the provision. Uh, I think a lot of people get excited about those things. Revelation chapter 21. But yet, when... Uh, it comes to the going home, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. And uh, they can say, well, we can wait a little bit longer. Uh, can, we push that, can we push that back a little bit, Jesus? But I feel that's, that's the way a lot of people live. They're excited about Jesus because when I'm done in this life, I get to, what, go home. But people aren't so excited about the return of Jesus because they love this life more than they love the next. I want to say that again. People don't want Jesus to come because they love this life more than they'll love the next. Than they think they'll love the next. But heaven is going to be more real than this life. And I'll tell you why here in just a minute. Revelation chapter 21, please. Now I saw, in verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. It is finished. For I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Just as heaven is real, so is hell. 
And contrary to new age and new, I don't even hate putting the word Christian in there, but new Christian teaching, uh, hell is eternal. And it's not Christian teaching, it's demonic. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and both realities are eternal. Let's skip down to verse 21. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring the glory, bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all <clears throat> by day, nor shall there nor shall be no night there. Verse 26. And they shall bring the glory and, there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of its nations into it. Verse 27. But there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I can tell you this morning my name's in that book. Amen. And my prayer this morning is everybody's name. And this building is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if it's not, we're going to get it written in there. Amen. 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 Heaven is a beautiful place. And I had to skip some of these details for time. But describing heaven, the massiveness of it, when it describes the walls of heaven, it is 216 feet thick. I mean, Trump's wall, he thought Trump's wall was grand. 216 feet, not wide, thick. This building is 125 feet by 125 feet. You're putting two Hope Harbor churches, and that's how thick the walls of heaven are. And all of the jewels and all of the gold. And I know there's some people in here, and so there's some country songs, put me on the outskirts of heaven. Heaven's big enough. You can have your own, you can have your own swamp. You can have your own whatever. <laughs> heaven's big enough. Are you with me? Heaven is home. And what I want to tell you this morning is heaven is, not home, is home, not a vacation destination. Let me explain what I'm talking about. A lot of people, they would never say that they think of heaven as a vacation destination, but they treat it like it. And they think, well, I'm excited to go to heaven, but um, maybe when I'm, when I'm done there, I, I really don't know. And there's a lot of insecurity about life in heaven. Are you with me? How many of you know when you go on vacation, you're excited? 
when you get to go to the beach, get to go to the mountains, get to go to the lake or whatever it is, there's, there's a lot of excitement about going to that place. But after a while, it's not your home. Are you, are you, do you understand what I'm saying? And especially with Juliana. Juliana's just now two years old. When we go on vacation or, or go someplace that's not her, what, home, when we get there, there can be a lot of excitement for her, but after a while, insecurity comes up. Why? Because it's not her home. And oftentimes I feel that's what people think about heaven. There's a lot of insecurity. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of question marks when it comes to heaven. But heaven is not a vacation destination. Heaven is home. And what you think of home here on this earth does not compare to the feeling of home in heaven. When I think about home on this earth, I think about my living room on Christmas Day. What, what, do, you, what do you think when you think of home? You probably think of your address, and your, your, your front porch, or your, your living room. I think of, of being in, in my backyard on a summer night. The, the security of home. Are you with me? You see what I'm saying here? There is a feeling that you have when you're at what? Home. And I love my home. But something that I've had to to learn and flip my my thinking on is that home is not going to feel like home because when I go home to my real home, because I'm not of this world, this earth is not my home, and this home that I've set up here on earth is going to fail in comparison to when I get to home in heaven. All the safety, all the security, all the feeling of belonging and the warmth of home will fail in comparison to when we get to our home. Are you with me? Because this world fails. Even when I, I switched, uh, whenever Sarah and I uh, found out we were pregnant with Juliana, we decided we were, we were going to purchase a home. And so we, we, we found this home, and when we moved in, it didn't feel like home. Why? I don't know this place. Are you with me? Why? Because I haven't been there. And a lot of people feel when I get to heaven, there's, there's going to be this insecurity. Yes, I'll get to see people I love. Yes, there will be streets of gold. Yes, there will be Jesus. But eventually, I think people cower away from it because they love this earth. They love this home more than what's going to be in heaven. Are you with me this morning? Am I making my point clear? Heaven embodies the safety, security, and belonging of home. I even dare say heaven embodies all the nostalgia of home. Are you with me? Heaven is, pardon my English, more homey. (laughs) Heaven is more homey than your home here on earth. Turn to John chapter 14 real quick, and then we'll be almost done. John chapter 14. Good word. 
John chapter 14 and verse 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's what? House. Other versions put home. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. Several months ago, I started getting more of a revelation of a home in heaven. I always knew heaven existed. I always knew revelation and, and several other places in the Bible explained what heaven was like. But for me, I wanted to know what heaven was like as a home. Are you with me? And so I just began to meditate. Somebody say meditate. meditate. When you begin to meditate on the scriptures, the Lord begins to reveal things to you. That's why you should meditate on what you're reading. Meditate on, on your daily scriptures. And I began to meditate on this verse. And he, Jesus himself, is building my home for me right now. He's constructing and he's putting it the way that is going to make me feel most at home. And he's building the perfect home for me. For some of you, you may think the perfect home includes a gun range inside your home. I don't know what heaven's gun policy is like. There won't be any need for it. There won't be any need for them. Maybe they still have bows and arrows. I don't know. But, but think of things like that, the things that make you happy, the things that bring you joy. He's building and preparing your home for you, specifically designed to you, perfectly tailored to you. Somebody say me. me. Not husbands, not you and your wife. You. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> Gentlemen, do you understand what I'm saying? what you want. <laughs> yes, yes, the men were very quiet because the men are smart. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but Jesus is building your home and He's perfectly tailoring it to you. He's making it a home for you. Verse 3, When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, said Thomas. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Somebody say, He is the way the truth, and the life. You know, something that I learned early on in, in, in preaching is put it back where you found it. How many of you know this verse? He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by Him. Well, put it back where you found it, and He's talking about, I'm preparing a place for you. I'm making your home, and just follow me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Anything apart from me is not right. Anything the world has to offer is not right. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we know from John chapter 17 that Jesus was not of this world. And he said, neither are we. 
I'm not of this world. You're not of this world. You're a pilgrim in a foreign land. You're an alien in a world that you don't belong in. I'd like to say this before we get to these closing points. You were not made for hell. You were not made for hell on earth. You were made for heaven. And you were made for heaven on earth. Are you with me? You were not made for hell. You were made for heaven. You were not made for hell on earth. You were made for heaven on earth. And when I think about the realities of heaven, and as I was preparing this, I began to think all of the salvation, all the components of salvation is to what? Create heaven here on earth until we get to our home. Are you with me? He gave us healing to give us a glimpse of I'm not going to need this broken down body because I'm going to be made whole in heaven. That's why he gave us healing. Because he loves us. Say it, he loves me. He gave us the gift of redemption and forgiveness and freedom. Because in heaven, we're not bound to anything. We're not in addiction to anything. We're not in fear over anything. And he gave us all these aspects of salvation that I love that this church preaches about. We preach everything Jesus paid for, not just the destination. Amen? Amen. Salvation is more than just the destination. It's about providing heaven on earth and giving us heaven on earth. How do we prepare? Well, number one, it's very simple. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Number two, live unlike the rest of the world. If the world's living that way, we're not. If the world's doing it, we're not. If the world loves it, we hate it. Are you with me? We're supposed to live pure and holy, undefiled. We're supposed to live a little uncomfortably here on this earth. That the nastiness of this world makes us uncomfortable. And the holiness of us makes the world uncomfortable. Ooh, I like that. The nastiness of this world should make us uncomfortable. It should make us grieve. Because it grieves the Spirit of God. But the holiness that's on us and the anointing and the power of God that's on us should make the world tremble. Should make the world uncomfortable. Live unlike the rest of the world. Pure, holy, full of power. The world doesn't have power. The world doesn't have power. The only power the world yields is pointing a gun or trying to cast fear into people's lives. I've got the power of God living it on the inside of me. 
You've got the power. Say it. I've got the power of God. Living on the inside of me. Last time I checked, the power of God is nation shaking. And you got one person with nation shaking power of God on the inside of them. They're going to be all right. They're going to be all right. Live unlike the rest of the world and live compassionately. Have compassion on people. Because the world's compassion fails. The world's compassion is looking for, look what I did. Your compassion you and I show is to get the person out of the situation that they're in. Get them saved. Get them healed. Get them full of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? The world's compassion says, come into our country and we'll put 10,000 of you under a bridge in 100 degree heat in the middle of Texas. What? That's the world's compassion. You see what I'm saying? Where nations may try to be compassionate, but it fails. But we have the answer. We have the power of God. We have the compassion of God. And with the compassion of God comes the power of God to do it the right way. Number three, take as many people with you as you can. Take as many people with you as you can. Last, uh, last week, I was in a, a Dollar General. I was getting eggs and something like that. And uh, I was wearing a shirt that said, the king is coming. I just liked the shirt, so I bought it. And, and uh, I really wasn't thinking about why I was wearing it that day. I was just wearing it. And I was in Dollar General, and this gentleman comes up to me. Gentleman seeks me out. He says, I need a word. What? <laughs> you need a what? <laughs> he, said, he said, I need a word. I said, Jesus is coming. And his face shut down. And I said, are you ready? He said, well, I, sometimes I think I do. Sometimes I think I don't. I, I really don't know. I don't know. And I said, uh, there's a way you can know. There's a way you can know if you're ready. And he ran. First, I thought he didn't hear me. Because he was in a little refrigerator thing. So I said it again. I said, there is a way you can know. And he shut the refrigerator and ran down the aisle away from me. Why? Because people want a word, but they don't want heaven. They'll be ready for heaven when they're ready, not when he's ready. Oh, can we say that again? They'll be ready for heaven when they're ready, not when he's ready. When Jesus is ready, he's coming and he will not delay. When he steps off the front porch of heaven and comes and we meet him in the clouds, there's no going to be, can I have five more minutes? Can I, can I have five more years? Uh, well, I, I, just, I just got married. Can I have a couple kids first? No. Because when he comes, he's not waiting. It's either you're ready or you're not. 
There's a lot of Christians who love Jesus. They love the idea of heaven, but they're not ready to leave. They're not ready for, to meet him in the clouds. They'd rather go by the grave and go on their own terms than meet him in the clouds. Are you with me? My charge to you is be ready. Be ready. Be ready now. Not later. Be ready now. Because he's still going to be given dreams. He's still going to be given visions. There's still a lot of work to do. Are you with me? Jesus will not slow down his ministry before he comes. He will speed it up, and it has been sped up. That's why many ministers of the gospel are saying we're going home because ministries are expanding, ministries are growing. He's speeding up his ministry here on this earth. Are you with me? And lastly, look to heaven, not to this world. Look ahead, not behind. Look to the destination, not the situation. Are you with me? Y'all get something out of this this morning? Praise the Lord.